inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks, Podcast Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about this podcast. It's all free. You know you can download any of these free apps, any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify. They're all free. Why they're free or that? No, I can't do it today. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I can't say anything today. Way too much going on out there. Budweiser going woke with transgender beer cans. Would that be tranny fluid? Donald Trump indicted the world turning away from the dollar. I, I can't keep up with all that is going on this week. I just, I can't do it. I don't even want to do it. I just can't. Just get the apps, please. How is everybody doing today? Oh, all those things happen, but they don't affect us, right? Praise God. We're in a good long series here on the podcast called Doorways to Deception. I believe this is our fifth podcast in this particular series. Of course, as I always encourage you to do, go back and listen to the previous podcast if you have not done so. Doorways to Deception. What are those wiles of the devil, that trickery that he uses? What are we... We're talking about the, the one who is the father of lies, the deceiver of the brethren. So he's had a long time to master how to fool and trick people. But here's the thing. He has no real power. So what the devil has to do is to trick you into giving up your rights, your authority. Because if he, if he can and you start to agree with him, there you go. We know our Bible says in Ephesians, neither give place to the devil, meaning what? Well, he can't take it but you can surrender it. And then the issue is, we know he doesn't come knocking on the door with horns and a pitchfork, right? I really think it's ignorance that's getting us into trouble. Not recognizing what's him, what's us, and what's God. So we've been looking into our armor that we have found in Ephesians 6. And this armor that we as believers have is to save us from those wiles of the devil. Of course, to help us live a victorious Christian life. You do know just because you're born again that there is no automatic button that just flipped and now you walk in victory. You have an opportunity to walk in victory now, but it doesn't just happen. It is a battle. Well, I mean, you know, it's easy enough to see that. You think about this. Why do we have an armor? Why do we have weapons? That tells me we need protected from something and, well, we're going to get into some skirmishes, I believe. But the fun part about it is is that we can actually win them now, whereas before without Christ, really wasn't anything we could do about it. So I praise God we're not getting on the winning side. We are on the winning side. So we've been looking into these lies that the devil tries to get people to believe, and once he is able to get you to buy into it, well, then that gives him some rights to walk into your life. We're calling these doorways. It opens up doorways into your life. And once that is opened up, well, any old thing from this world can come in. And of course, we know that begins to affect you. So we have to recognize these doorways. And that's what we've been doing is identifying these so that we can learn from the Bible how to keep these doorways shut. Let's jump into today's, today's doorway that we are looking at, the lie, that deception that you are not worthy. This is a big one. 
you are not worthy. So the next piece of armor that God has provided for us is found in Ephesians 6, 14. Of course, we talked about last time, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. We talked about that. But the next part of this scripture says, again, Ephesians 6, 14, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Breastplate of righteousness. So we discussed last time to gird your waist with truth, and today, the breastplate of righteousness. What is righteousness? It's simply the ability for you to stand before Father God as though sin, guilt, and shame never existed. Do you think that's powerful? You think that's pretty powerful? The ability to stand before the almighty Father God, ruler of heaven and earth, the whole universe, right? As though sin and guilt and shame never existed. How would that change your prayers? How would that change how you approach God? How would that affect your relationship with him? How does that affect you walking in and enforcing your authority or being healed? I know my experiences through the years and getting calls to come pray for somebody. We would walk in and I'm going to tell you most of the time, usually they feel the need to start confessional. Well, you know, I haven't, I haven't been in church for years. I've done this. I've done that. I've done the other. They don't feel worthy. They want it, but they just don't feel worthy of it. Whatever it is that they're seeking from God. And, And you know, that's any of us on any given day, if we're being honest, So when looking into righteousness, this is really a judicial term, and what I mean is you think of it like a courtroom scene or a setting. It really is similar to standing before a judge confidently or even a king and having that confidence that I have no fear because I'm not guilty. No fear of being condemned. No fear of being found guilty and being sentenced. So our breastplate of righteousness is important because if you have an unshakable hold on the authority of God's word, meaning you know it is the truth, and the devil can't convince you that it's not the truth, then the next thing he's going to try to do is he will try to convince you that, yes, it's the truth. You just don't qualify for it. You can't have it. It's for others, but it's not for you. You are not worthy to receive the blessing and the promises of God. That's the trick. You know you did this, and you know you did that. Why do you think that God would do anything for you. You're just a sinner. You can't even stop sinning for five minutes. And it's a good one. It's a good one because, yes, we do see and believe the promises. We know them. We believe them. We want them. But no, not you. The devil will reach way back into everything that you've ever done, every sin, every shortcoming, right? Haven't you had this happen? Things pop into your head from years ago. Every unkind word spoken, the times you failed to do what it is that God asked of you. And be sure that you know this. He will bring people into your life to remind you constantly. If he can't get into your mind with wild thoughts, he'll get into your ear with accusations. Others coming. And he wants you to just lay down and give up. Because in reality, we have done some of the things that we are accused of, right? I mean, that's, that's the issue. We have done these things, most of it. That's the thing. It's not always lies that he's telling as far as that goes because some of it are things that we've actually done and that's what makes it harder. So it's easy to try to uh, try and make somebody believe they deserve sickness and disease and pains and poverty, can't have the blessing, can't trust you with money. Because remember that time that you, let's look at 1 John 3 and verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, 
we have confidence towards God. If our heart does not find us guilty, that's what it's saying, then we have confidence before God. Isn't that right? See, this is that open doorway to deception and that the devil is trying to steal your confidence. Because why would you think for one second that you should dare to stand before God and ask him anything, you rotten, filthy sinner? He knows if he can make you feel condemned and guilty, you will eventually take whatever comes at you because you think, I deserve it. I've made my bed. I got to lay in it. And you won't stand on the promises of God in faith. He will make you like that man described in James 1, 6 through 8, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. Ah, Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he that doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord because he's a double-minded man and you're unstable in all your ways. Man, that's a rough script. That's a rough set of scriptures, but it's true. You think about how you've been tossed because of doubt. Well, where does doubt come from? Well, not having faith. Why wouldn't you have faith? Well, because of lies. Because faith comes by hearing, and we're hearing the accusations, and we're hearing what we've done, and we're hearing how unworthy we are. No, no, no. We've got to finish it out. Faith comes by hearing. Your hearing's got to come from the word of God. Let not that man think he will receive anything. That's a rough one. This is why this breastplate of righteousness is so important. You want to get your prayers answered? You have to stand in a righteous position. Come on, that's why it's so important. We have to have righteous thinking. We have to have righteous living. See, this is what it was all about. Remember, Jesus came and he took our stuff so we could have his stuff, right? The great exchange. And part of this exchange was that you and I, most sin-filled man, see, we couldn't come before the Father in our condition. It all points back to so many things in the old covenant. You remember the priest had to be pure, and he was the only one allowed at that time to enter into the Holy of Holies. You remember that? Of course, we jump into the New Testament. We see that story of that prodigal son who ran off and wasted everything the father gave him on prostitutes and drinking. He did it. Come home after living in a pig pen, eating pig slop, covered in filth. And what was one of the first things that the father said? Get my robe and place it on him. Why? Because as a loving father, he did not want everybody to see the world's filth on him. No, the boy earned it. He was filthy. He rolled in it. It was all the sin of the world physically manifesting on this boy's body. You could see it on him. So the father had to cover. He had to cover. He had to give him his robe. And that's what he did with us in Jesus. We had to be clothed with his righteousness because ours was filthy rags. But I love this, that now we aren't just covered. You and I, we get to be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. So we got to put on this breastplate by finding out what the Bible says about your position in Christ. Why did Jesus do all that he did? 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 gives us some clues here. For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. For God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become our sin, so we could become something else. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It was sin that was keeping us out. So Jesus made a way for us to get in. He said, listen, I'm going to take your sin. You take my righteous position with my father so that when he looks at you, he sees me, right? Just like that robe, it was placed on him when they, when they saw that boy that day. They didn't see the filth. They saw daddy's robe. Come on, I'll take your sin. You take my righteous position so that when he looks at you, he sees me. That's how you get in. 
I ripped that veil in two and I made a way for you to walk into the very throne room of God as though sin never existed. So God is now seeing you and I through the sacrifice of the blood. Romans 8, boy, you really need to read this and meditate on this right here. Romans 8. Love Romans 8. My goodness. There is therefore now, wait a minute, when? Is this an eternal statement? Like this is something that's just ongoing. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute, are you born again? If you are, you're in Christ Jesus. And what did it say? There is now no condemnation. What does that mean? Not guilty. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Well, see, Donnie, that's the issue. I've not been walking according to the spirit. No, 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 just wait a minute now. Let's see what God calls this, okay? Because that's, I've read this before and I thought that, well, that's the problem. I've been, I've not been walking in the spirit. I've been walking in the flesh. No, no, no. Let's see what God calls walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh. Okay. Because you're always going to have a flesh. As as long as you're on this earth, you're going to be in the flesh. So do we just say, well, I'm I'm just never going to meet it. No, let's see what he says. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. See, the law could tell us what sin was, but it did not allow us freedom from it. It could identify it. it, But this is making a way to be free from it. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, Donnie, that's the issue. Hold on. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those of you that are in the flesh cannot please God, but here we go. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, I ask again, are you born again? Well, then the spirit of God dwells in you. This is how God's identifying it. He's not identifying it by fleshy action. He's looking deeper at the root. I ask again, are you born again? Well, then the spirit dwells in you. And so what? You are of the spirit. Now, if anybody does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. But if you do, you are. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if you're our children, if you're the children of God, a child of God, then heirs, right? Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Wait a minute now. Joint heirs, meaning what? Co-equal heirs with Jesus. You understand we don't get some subcategory. We get the same stuff that Jesus got here, people. This is what it's all about. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, think about it in judicial terms. If God, the judge of the universe, is my father, 
and I'm standing in court and Satan's over here saying I'm guilty and Jesus, my mediator, my intercessor is standing over here and he's saying, your honor, he's not guilty and my father sits up there and my father says, I brought the gavel down and I don't see any of the sin here. You are not guilty. If God is for me, who can be against me? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Think about a courtroom setting. It's Christ who died, furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. You have, you have a defense attorney. He's making intercession. He's pulling for you then so who would separate us from the love of Christ? Now, let me give you a bit of a different look on this. Because isn't it true? When we see these things that he's about to list, when, when we see these things come into our lives, we can at times feel like, God, where are you? God, I deserve this. God, why is this happening? So watch this. Just because these things come into our lives, this is not proof that God does not love you. Watch this. Shall tribulation... So if those issues come, is that proof that God doesn't love me or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? If all these things come in, is that proof that God is upset with me and he doesn't love me and I'm not worthy and I've done some things because it's saying these things will come. Lies of the devil. Yet in all these things, we were made more than conquerors. He has made a way that we don't deny the issues of life, there's life issues that could come. But if they do, you now have the power to overcome every single one of them. They're not proof that God isn't pulling for you. That's not proof that God isn't loving you. That's the lies of the devil. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded, you need to be persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things that could come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. All of this, not because of what you've done, couldn't earn it, don't even deserve it, but it's all because of what Jesus did. So the greatest key to walking in the promises of God is to never say or feel like, well, because I did this and I did that, I'm not worthy. I got to look at the story here in John 8. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him. He sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees, we love these guys, brought to him a woman caught in, the, caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? They said this, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Well, Jesus stooped down, and he wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up, and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw the stone at her first. And again, he stooped down, and he wrote on the ground. Those that heard it being convicted by their conscience, they went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. Jesus was left alone with the woman standing there in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and he saw nobody but the woman, he said, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has nobody condemned you? Has nobody found you guilty? She said, well, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I find you guilty. 
go and sin no more. Wait a minute now. Wait, 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 wait. She was guilty. I mean, she did it. There's no doubt she did it. She's not even denying that she did it. She's broken the law of the land, which is punishable by death. She's broken moral laws. She's broken spiritual laws. I mean, this is as guilty as it comes. She is guilty. Friends, this is the greatest picture that we have of what I'm talking about. Jesus knows that she did it. She knows that she did it. They know that she did it, but what? Not guilty. I know you did it. I don't accuse you. Go and send them. I know you did it. What am I talking about? He stood on the side of the accused. Man, the church needs to learn this. That was devil's work on the other side of those rocks. Accusing her, wanting to kill her for doing something while they're standing there with sin in their lives. Man, friends, you better look in the mirror. This is the greatest sin of the church, if you ask me. The way that we treat people whose sin gets found out and made public, boy, we love to crucify them while you're sitting there in private with your own sin. Now, I'm not saying that she got away with it. Jesus didn't say it was okay. He didn't make light of sin. Matter of fact, he warned her, don't go do it again. Don't you sin anymore. He gave her that option. He told her, don't do it again. But also what? Don't feel guilty about it. Don't be ashamed about it. Because what? I've forgiven you. I don't accuse you. I don't accuse you. Listen, guys, we don't even know what light people are walking in. Half the time, people that are doing stuff don't even know that it's sin. And they're walking in the light that they have, and we're walking in the light that we have, but we're judging them off of the light that we have. Well, I know you shouldn't do that, right? I mean, you think about the world. They might think it's okay to lie once in a while, right? No big deal. No harm, no foul. Little white lies, they call it. Whereas we know we shouldn't lie. Just straight up shouldn't do it. We're walking in the light that we have, and we're going to sit here and judge them off of the light that we have. They're not walking in that same light. That's why he says, don't judge people. Don't do it. Because you're going to be standing there, and if Jesus was there, he'd turn around and look at you and say, what are you doing with that stone in your hand? What are you doing? You better bash it into your own face. I mean, if that's how we want to do it. Guys, I'm telling you, this is as serious as it comes because the devil will use people more than anything to put this on other people. Don't be a part of it. It's the devil's work. Don't, don't, you need to get it out of your vocabulary. Shame on you. If God wanted shame on you, all he would have had to do was nothing. Leave you alone and watch the train wreck that is you. But God didn't do nothing. God did something. And he did it, and a big part of it was that Jesus came for the great exchange. He stood on the side of the accused. These others with the rocks are doing the devil's work, friend, accusing her. And yet they all stood there with sin in their lives, but let's kill her for what she did. Well, they had a little come-to-Jesus moment, didn't they? It wasn't letting her off like she got away with something. It didn't didn't put her in the clear so that she said, whew, I got away with that one. No, 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 no. It, It didn't give her a license to sin. People already have a license to sin. It gave her a license to be free. She didn't know she could be free. He made it clear, don't do it again, but he also said, don't you dare leave here feeling ashamed and guilty of it. And what did it do to this woman? That woman followed Jesus for the rest of her life. 1 John 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, meaning what? There is sin, but he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. And because he is, we can confess our sins and he forgives us of our sins. We know that one. Here's the hang up. Cleansing from all 
unrighteousness. We can know I'm forgiven and we can still carry guilt and shame and embarrassments. You need to know you have been released. You've been cleansed. You've been cleared from any wrongdoing whatsoever. He forgave you, but you remember he also forgets. So why are you remembering? So here's the deal. When the devil comes at you with thoughts from the past, tell him, I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. I've been cleared of all charges. I've been crucified with Christ. Right? Come on. I mean, that's a dead man you're talking about. Matter of fact, tell him, you go ask the judge and see what he says. Go ask the judge. Right? Devil, you go ask the judge what he says about it. Your sins I will remember no more. Isn't that what the judge said? Don't allow the devil to remind you of the past. You just go ahead and remind him of his future. Breastplate of righteousness snug and securely pressed up against your hearts, people. Because you've got right standing with the judge of the entire universe. I mean, after all, he's your father. He swung that gavel down that day, and he said to you and Jesus, not guilty. Come on, Jesus gave it, and no man, no demon, no doctrine of the church can take it away. You are not guilty the time I have for today's podcast. Thank you for joining me. I am your host, Don Allen. Hey, don't forget, we need your help. We need your financial support to be able to reach the world with this podcast. Come on, we're looking to get in on some other carriers so that we can branch out further with the good news. Are you interested? Give your tax-deductible gift to twoguysinthebible.com, twoguysinthebible.com. Hit that donate, market podcast. You can mail it to me as well if you still want to do that. Midwest Healing Center, 728 North Main Street, Lori, Missouri, 65038. Text to give, 573-229-0820. 573-229-0820. We have been growing by leaps and bounds, but we need to get on some other avenues here up with the new old school podcast we've been exploding in listeners over the past month let's go get some more so they can join in and you and i with attempting the ridiculous and achieving the miraculous 